Hello and welcome to the 11th edition of Razorbackology Talks. I'm here with Anthony Ruda, the men's basketball director of basketball operations. Um, and before we get into the podcast, I want to talk a little bit about Kick Vintage. They've been in the vintage scene for 10 years. Follow them on Instagram to see new items dropped every week and check out where their next pop-up is. Specializing in 80s, 90s, and early Y2K curated artwork, the craziest Razorback gear, crews, jackets, denim, and of course, the tees. Check them out if you're looking for something original and unique. Kick Vintage on Instagram. They love the hype, keep it vintage, and showcase curated artwork. Daddy, are we going to the game today? We sure are, baby girl. Are you excited? Yes, but I'm already hungry. Well, why don't we stop by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers and grab a burger and a shake on our way to the game? Yay, I was hoping you'd say that. Their burgers are the best. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers serve fresh, quality burgers, hand-cut fries, shakes, and malts for the best pre-game and post-game meal to cheer on the hogs in every season. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, now open on Weddington Drive in Fayetteville. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me. Um, how have you been? I've been really good. You know, it's, uh, you know, you lose two in a row like we did and, you know, be able to bounce back and win that one on Saturday. Feeling good right now, ready to hit uh, this uh, two-game road trip. Yeah, so you're the, you're the director of basketball operations for the men's hoops team. So kind of what, is, what does that entail? Um, like maybe like give us a little insight into what your day-to-day uh, objectives are. Well, I mean, I think, it, you know, the, the job itself, um, you know, you just kind of you never know what's going to kind of come across your plate on a given day or a given week. Um, you know, it's just one of those jobs where you got to be kind of versatile in and be able to, uh, you know, kind of help and, and solve problems before that they uh, before they ever come to the table. And then, um, you know, I, I work quite a bit hand in hand with Coach Musselman, um, you know, on things just kind of across the board, and um, you know, it's a it's a very rewarding job. You know, there's a there's a lot of work and a lot of stuff that goes into it, but uh, you know, really fun job as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about the scheduling because kind of from the outside world, you're you're kind of known as the scheduling guy, um, and I want to talk about like how just all the different pieces of the schedule this year. I mean. I mean, the, the Southern reschedule, um, just how, how difficult was it to, I guess, originally, early on, we already knew the non-conference and then like the Las Vegas uh, trip kind of got pushed out with COVID, but just how, how difficult was it or how, how did you manage to build this schedule um, around COVID? Yeah, I mean, you know, pre-COVID, you know, like you touched on like the Las Vegas tournament, you know, unfortunately... Um, you know, losing tough neutral site games like San Francisco, who went on to win uh, against Virginia the second game of the year. You know, Louisville, who's a top 25 program. Oklahoma, who year in and year out is a really good team. And then, um, you know, Tulsa game getting canceled mid-year. So you lose kind of like those marquee games. I mean, it's tough from that perspective. And, you know, in a a COVID world, um, you know, might not be – uh, the most popular opinion, but, you know, our goal from day one, once a new date got scheduled and, you know, amidst a pandemic is we want to do everything we could to play nine non-conference games. And we felt like the best way to do that was to play, you know, regionally based teams that, you know, could bus to Bud Walton arena because 
you know, when teams are getting on planes and layovers and stuff like that, I mean, you're just adding up, you know, all the possible, um, you know, things that can happen, you know, to anybody, you know, whether it's a college basketball student or just a regular traveler. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, our number one goal was how do we play nine non-conference games? And then we kind of worked backwards from there, um, you know, and then the Tulsa game, um, you know, we had just finished playing Lipscomb on a Saturday night and got back to the locker room. And I had a missed call from one of the Tulsa assistant coaches about uh, 30 minutes ago while we were in game. And he had left me a voicemail that said that they had, uh, you know, unfortunately had uh, COVID issues with the program and they were going to have to uh, go on pause. So, you know, we kind of spent that Saturday night trying to figure out, okay, like locally, whether it was Little Rock, Arkansas State, um, you know, teams like that to, uh, you know, come in and fill that game. And unfortunately, um, you know, with our schedule, their schedule wasn't able to work out. And, you know, into Sunday morning, all day Sunday, trying to find, you know, just a team, um, you know, preferably that could bust. But, you know, we just wanted to really play that game because that nine, you know, being able to fill those games was really important. And then luckily, um, Southern that same day had a game canceled against Gonzaga when they went on pause and, um, you know, relationships with Coach Musk and David Patrick with Southern's administration, you know, were able to kind of fast track us up there and you know luckily we were able to figure it out and uh you know able to play play the game yeah so kind of what i mean you kind of touched on it too but like what was the what was the process like to to get a game scheduled in such little time i mean like how many maybe just a rough ballpark how many teams do you think you guys either reached out to or researched and how many different things are there in, in the contract of getting a game scheduled like with the COVID protocols did did Southern have to get tested three times in a five-day span or kind of just talk talk about like all of the little different intricacies of scheduling just one singular game and kind of what that process was like. I mean realistically probably the amount of teams that we reached out to had to have been over a hundred. Um, you know, probably had to be about a third of the NCA that we had reached out to. And then, you know, when you kind of, you know, bring it down like less and less, like, I mean, there was probably, you know, rounded out to about eight to 10 teams. We thought we'd have the possibility of playing. So then, you you know, you get into research or pulling stats, depth charts, downloading film, stuff like that to figure out, OK, like, is this a team, you know, like, is this a good game for us? Do we match up with this team? Um, you know, and then, like you said, I mean, you're, you're in a COVID world and, you know, one of the teams instantly got disqualified because they didn't meet the SEC rules of, you know, the certain amount of tests in, in days and just weren't, we wouldn't be able to do it that way because they'd have to test um, basically the day of the game. And there were just, there were just to be too many, um, you know, out, X factors and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, you got to weigh into, okay, who's available, who's a good matchup for you, and then who's met the COVID protocols. Oh, yeah, and who can get here in 36 hours notice. So there was a lot of factors that went into it, and, you know, it was a complete team effort from Coach Musman, Coach Patrick, our administration, um, you know, kind of get the job done, um, you know, for that game. Yeah, and I mean, huge tip of the cap to you guys and Southern as well for being able to – 
get that game scheduled and such little notice. Um, I, I assume you've, have you played NCAA football 14 before? Uh, oh yeah. That's a, I think that's where the scheduling stuff uh, comes from. You know, I, there's, there's a uh, portion of people out there. I think that they think the scheduling is just, okay, you get to go through and you pick your opponents and boom, you're done. And you, it's a 30 second project. Uh, but you know, in all, in all seriousness, I think like, um, you know, that there's a, there's an aspect of it. I mean, there's certain people that, um, you know, don't necessarily like the scheduling part of it. I mean, I personally enjoy it because, you know, if you put a lot of time into it, um, you know, you're, you're able to kind of reap the benefits and, um, you know, all that being said, I mean, you look at the net rankings that have come out within the last eight days and every day we've varied from, 19 to 27 in the net ranking. So, um, you know, it's a testament to our guys going out there and performing like they have. And, um, you know, then when you hit the SEC play, I mean, you look at your 18 SEC games, you're going to play 14 or 15 quad one or quad two games just in the SEC alone. So, um, you know, we have a lot of work ahead of us, but, you know, our guys have done a tremendous job up until this point being able to, um, you know, really play and, and put ourselves, ourselves in a good position to uh, play in the NCAA tournament, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm, I'm kind of curious with, um, I don't know if it was maybe, maybe more so with COVID and having to get the new schedule because there was the Las Vegas tournament um, that had been planned, but um, with the, with the non-conference, do you think it would have been um, beneficial in a way to maybe have one or two games against um, a, a couple power fives maybe that were a little uh, tougher games because some I think some people think that you know if, if you get some of the tougher games out of the way early on maybe you don't have some of the bumps in the road later but I mean I know for myself with with NCAA 14 you know I'll I'll schedule like the two powerhouses and the two people that just went to the championship and then early on you'll get blown out by them but then and maybe in the end of the season it'll, it'll help you out somewhere but um, do you th is that maybe that if that's maybe your mindset too that you've done at Nevada, having a couple tests early on so that later down the road maybe it's smooth sailing or kind of what's your mindset with that? Well, I mean, I think from you know our perspective, um, you know, we wanted to, you know, we had, we had a completely new team. I mean, you look at our team across the board, like Desi was a returner, Ethan Henderson was a returner, but you know, you're bringing in four freshmen, you're bringing in. Uh, three grad transfers, two transfers that were sitting out and Connor Vanover and uh, J.D. Note. So, um, you know, we had to kind of figure out like what our rotation would be. We had to, you know, kind of get everybody gelling. And, you know, if you come out of the bat, come off the bat playing a top 10 or top 15 team, um, you know, it might look good. It might, it might be exciting leading up to the game. But then, you know, if you were to lose that game or, you know, you're two games in and you're playing uh, five or six guys, a, a big chunk of minutes, then you're worried about your team chemistry uh, 80 minutes into your season. So, um, you know, I think there's there's good and bad in, in both scenarios with that. Um, you know, personally, do we wish we had, you know, one more tougher game in the, in the first eight games? Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be a fair uh, assessment. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we feel like what we did over those first eight games has, you know, really prepared us for our uh, first 
couple SEC games. And then, you know, on the Nevada perspective, it's it's kind of like it's it's almost two separate um, you know, schedules like they're they're on two different spectrums. Like, you know, in the SEC, you know, okay, you're gonna play 18 SEC games, you're gonna have a mandated Big 12 SEC challenge. So you're gonna have um, you know, you're gonna get anywhere from 12 to 16 quad one and quad two games just in your conference play. So you don't, I mean, you do gotta go and you gotta play a couple uh, you know, challenging games, whether that was, you know, for us, it was the Louisville in Vegas and Oklahoma uh, neutral at Tulsa. Like those games, um, you know, in a normal year are games that we'd like to play. But, you know, when you're at Nevada, you play in the Mountain West and you might only get five or six quad one or quad two opportunities in conference play. So you got to really go out and you got to test yourselves and you got to schedule four or five really challenging games so that at the end of the day, um, you know, on Selection Sunday, you're in a position to get an at-large bid if you don't win your conference tournament. Yeah, and so, I mean, what was the, I mean, if you can remember one of the, maybe one of the non-conferences from Nevada or maybe just like a few opponents you guys played, I know it was years ago, but um, I mean, you guys were, you guys must have been having to play a pretty tough non-conference to be able to, to get in that large and to be able to kind of prove yourself. I mean, even in November, December, if you're playing these tough opponents and you're winning them, it'll, it looks good. And in March when maybe people forget about the mountain West or kind of forget about you guys. But I remember there was a, there was a time period where you guys were ranked. I want to say like top 10 for 17 straight weeks or, or something yeah. crazy like that. So it, I don't know if, if that year, what, what was going on in the non-conference, but do you remember some of those non-conference matchups? Yeah, so, you know, that our last year in Nevada, I think it was um, it was almost 90% of the season we spent in the top 10. Uh, it got to about, I think, five or six was our high point. But, you know, that non-conference slate was at Utah, at USC, uh, started the season against BYU at home, um, playing ASU on a neutral site. Um, so those games playing a, a, a very good, uh, mid-major team in South Dakota State at our place. So those games, um, you know, that year, um, you know, they did really help us. And, you know, luckily, uh, you know, our four years in Nevada, our first year, uh, we won 24 games and won the CBI. Our second year, we made the NCAA tournament by winning the Mountain West tournament. But we were, you know, had we not won that game, we would have been right there on the bubble. And then luckily our last two years, we were an at-large team out of the Mountain West. So, um you know, like I said, I mean, we tried to really schedule, you know, or if I were to, you know, kind of break it down into a simple form, um, you know, in Arkansas, what our goal is, is probably to play three or four uh, challenging non-conference games. And then the Mountain West, it was anywhere from four to six projecting how the league would be. And, um, you know, you can't schedule too lightly because, at the, you know, when you, when you reach selection Sunday, you don't want to be on the wrong side because you schedule too easily, but at the same time, you don't want to schedule too difficultly because, you know, if you start two and five or whatever, I mean, that's a, that's a tough hole to climb out of. And then you're worried about, you know, internally team chemistry, stuff like that, trying to work your way out of a slow start. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to kind of hope that you did it right. Yeah. 
One last question about scheduling, but I mean, I think, I think a lot of hog fans would say that, I mean, you guys knocked it out of the park this year and obviously the team, um, they, they knocked it out of the park as well. Um, but in, in regards to the 2021-2022 schedule, how early do you guys have to schedule these non-conference matchups? Like, have you been in talks with teams that you could potentially play next year or even like years in advance? Because, I mean, football, I think the Arkansas football team and Coach Pittman, they have a series with Oklahoma State all the way up to like 2037. And not many people can fathom what they'll be doing in 2037. Um, yeah. But I guess how, how early do you guys start talking about non-conference? I mean, usually the, the MTE, the multi-tournament events, um, are the one thing that you kind of try to schedule two, three, four years in advance. Um, so we have kind of our next, um, you know, our next couple of years in, in, in that area done, you know, but from a single game or home and home series, stuff like that. Um, you know, listen, we're, we're, we're still in a pandemic and it, and it would be, um, you know, I, Personally, like I, I would like to, you know, and I know Coach Mosman would like to try to get a couple games on the slate, but also, um, you know, at this point in a normal year, you, you usually have about half your schedule done and you, you save about four or five games for after the season. But, you know, you're in a pandemic and, and you know, we're, we're all hopeful that six, eight, nine months down the road, we're kind of back to some type of normal. But, you know, you kind of you got to kind of be smart and wait it out and see. I mean, you don't want to say schedule a big home and home with a power five team and have them come to your place in year one. Well, nine, 10 months down the road, like we could still be in the same setting we're in and you miss that great home atmosphere and opportunity. But, you know, on the flip side, you don't want to be the team to go first. And then nine months down the road, you're we're back to a normal and you're playing in front of a sold out building. So uh, we're kind of in a wait and see approach right now. Mm, yeah. And so yeah, I think that's, that's great insight. And I feel another thing I feel like is a factor is, I mean, we don't know the team for next year. I mean, we know a few guys that will probably return, but I feel like that's a big key. If, if you feel like you have a veteran group, you can schedule a few of the, those tougher games. And if it, if you feel like it's a bunch of new faces like this year, maybe you want to get them off to a good start and, build that chemistry a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think that's great insight. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about your upbringing, um, just kind of growing up. What what were you like and um, growing up through high school and college and um, eventually, I guess, how you linked up with Muss at Nevada? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Mansfield, Massachusetts, about uh, 40 minutes uh, south of Boston. And, uh, you know, growing up, just try to be as involved as possible in all different kinds of sports, whether it's basketball, baseball, football. Um, you know, I spent the majority of my high school career actually, um, you know, playing football. Like that was my number one sport. And I had stopped playing basketball about two years into college. I mean, two years into high school because I had aspirations to play uh, football in college, whether that was at a division two or division three level. And then, um, you know, when I wrapped up my senior year, I kind of uh, reversed course and, you know, decided I actually wanted to try to get into coaching and didn't really know how to go about it or whatever. Ended up at Arizona State, um, you know, went through kind of my freshman year as a normal student and, you know, trying to figure out what my next step would be career wise. 
And I actually tried uh, pretty hard to, to figure out a way to get on to uh, some type of football staff or something at Arizona State. And um, just kind of on a whim, I reached out to the basketball staff because at that time, I mean, first time living on the West Coast, and I wasn't used to, you know, games are starting from 3 p.m. in the afternoon and they're going all the way through. So, I mean, I was probably watching five or six basketball games a night, like, you know, in full. And, you know, luckily the ASU staff reached back out and, you know, it was just kind of history from there, um, you know, being able to work there as a student for three years. And then luckily they brought me on, they kept me on as a graduate assistant for two years. And that was uh, how I made my connection with Mus. Um, you know, we worked together hand in hand for two years at Arizona State when I was in GA and he was an assistant coach. And then uh, we had a year gap in between. He went to LSU where he, uh, you know, worked for Johnny Jones. And that's how he got to know uh, David Patrick. They worked together at LSU. And then I was an assistant coach in the G League for that one year. And me and coach talked just about every day, you know, multiple times a day for that year period. And, um, you know, when he found out he was going to get the Nevada job, uh, he reached out and asked if I'd be interested in coming to work for him. And, you know, we've been together, you know, ever since. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. You, so, I mean, it, it kind of sounds like you were on more on the side of wanting to do something with football and reaching out to the football staff. And then when that kind of maybe seemed to, or maybe you did it all at once, then you, you reach out to basketball and they were able to get out to you. So was that kind of your, was that kind of your ultimate goal going all the way back before uh, when you were at a state was kind of doing something with the, the football team? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, you know, like anybody, I mean, whether, you know, as a kid and, you know, into high school, like everybody thinks they're going to go on and play, you know, college for, and they're going to be a professional or whatever. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I realized pretty, pretty young that, probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, but, you know, like I had always wanted to do something in sports and to get into coaching. And, you know, I just I kind of figured, you know, I had a I had more of a football background from a playing perspective. But basketball was always just kind of my love. And, um, you know, luckily it, it, it all worked out. And I think, you know, things sometimes just have a funny way of working themselves out. What uh, what position were you playing in football? Uh, I was kind of, I was, I was kind of a little bit of everything inside linebacker, outside linebacker, running back, fullback, um, you know, shoot, it's the same stuff we, we tell our guys, you know, every day, like be versatile, but you know, the more positions that you can learn, um, the more versatile you are and the more opportunity you have to, you know, get out on the field or, or, or you know, on basketball, get on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so, so you met up with Moss at Arizona State, and then you obviously kind of followed him around to Nevada and here. Give me your, give me your best Moss story that you have over the years. I mean, I'm sure you guys have, you, I mean, you, you said you guys talked multiple times a day for your period. Give me your best Moss story. I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> as much time as um, we need. <laughs> no, I mean, Moss is, uh, you know, I, I think everybody, you know, sees like the, in-game must it's you know intense and we're up 25 points and he's you know you know banging his fist on a chair and he's a he's amped and excited but um you know Mus is so fun he's got such a great sense of humor um you know he, he's just a he's just a really fun guy to be around um you know he's you know there's a there's a lot of times where 
um, you know, he'll, he'll call or whatever at all hours of the night. And, and you know, just really fortunate to have that close relationship with Musk to, um, you know, just kind of, he's, he's like a, uh, second father or best friend, a, a, a great boss. So it's uh, it's been really cool to form that bond with him. A couple couple questions and then we'll wrap it up. But um, I know you're you're a big fan of charcuterie boards. Um, I know who the, the people whoever follows you on Instagram. Um, I know they've they've seen it as well, just like I have. So give me the give me the technique and the design to perfecting the best charcuterie board. You know what? Like it's 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 funny. Like I I, I think. I think that stuff all goes back to like elementary school. Like remember the Lunchables, like you were kind of, you know, you're, you're sitting there seven, eight, nine years old. You're, you're building your own charcuterie board with uh, the Lunchables and then you get into adult life. And now all of a sudden there's a new trendy thing. Um, but seriously, like the, the simpler, the better, I think like, you know, give me a couple meats, a couple different cheeses for variety. Um, you know, you want to throw some, um, fruit or something in there I'm cool with it maybe maybe some nuts but you know the all the fancy spread stuff like that like just 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 get to the meat and cheese of it and you know that's the that's the best part for me um you know I don't I don't need all this stuff on the plate that you know makes it look good but you're not you're not gonna eat any of it so my just keep it simple and uh, I think everybody will be happy yeah, are you more of a homemade uh, charcuterie board guy, or is there a, is there a place in Northwest Arkansas, or even at Nevada, or at I don't know if you're doing charcuterie boards in Arizona State? Is there a uh, is there a place that's uh, your favorite? Yeah, I'd say probably my there. There's two. I mean, they're in uh, in Northwest Arkansas. One is Theo's. I mean, I think Theo's is more on like the fancy end of it, but um, you know, really good and. And then uh, cheers, they just got a, a simple, you know, like a sausage and cheese and uh, bread and they keep it, they keep it simple and, you know, both uh, do the trick for me. Awesome. Uh, last, last thing, um, whenever, whenever you're done at Arkansas, hopefully, hopefully you stay here a long time. I'd, I'd give you a lifetime contract if I could, but uh, what, 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 do you want hog fans to remember you as, or whenever they hear your name, kind of, what do they, what, what, what do you want them to think of? Well, you know, I just, I, I want, um, you know, my legacy to be here at Arkansas as somebody that, um, you know, really cared for the student athletes and, um, you know, somebody that, you know, when they look back, whether it's 10, 15, 20 years down the road and, you know, our success as a staff uh, here at Arkansas, um, you know, I want them to look at us as a, as a staff that won a lot of games that had great success, graduated players and, um, you know, really took care of the student athletes because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, all of our jobs, whether it's myself or a graduate assistant, Coach Musselman, whoever it is on staff, um, you know, it's all about the student athletes and, you know, it's our job to make their experience as good as possible. So, um, you know a winning, winning culture, um, successful student athletes and, uh, high graduation rates. Uh, you know, if those, if those three things are what I'm remembered by or what our coaching staff's remembered by down the road, I mean, I think we did a heck of a job here at Arkansas. Yeah, that's great. And I think, I think you guys are doing a great job. And last year winning 20 games was awesome and sending a few guys to the league was great. And then this year starting out winning the first nine and, 
uh, it looks like looks like the team's doing well, and especially we need to get everybody healthy. But uh, once that happens, I think they're gonna they're gonna kick this thing into gear, and uh, I think I think a lot of people are anticipating of playing a few games in the big dance. So uh, I appreciate you for joining. Um, it was it was great talking to you, um, and I look forward to the rest of the season. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was fun.